Hey, manufacturing world. Welcome to another episode of Shop Matters, sponsored by Akuma America. This podcast is created to talk about all things manufacturing related. I'm your host, Wade Anderson. And today in the studio, joining me, I've got John Tui with Fanuc Robotics. John, thanks for joining us here in Chicago. Chicago? Ah, no, sorry. Actually, we're in Charlotte now. We should have been in Chicago this week. Yeah, we should be participating in the IMTS show and taking advantage of everything that Chicago has to offer. But I, we'll find other avenues, and I believe IMTS, or excuse me, AMT, is propagated other avenues for us. Right. We are excited. Um, you know, we're, we're participating IMTS Spark and IMTS Network as well. I'm assuming FANUC is. Yes, FANUC is participating as well. All right. So one of the things that I think is uh, exciting, uh, you know, if you can find there's always good parts of any, any bad part, right? So as bad as COVID is and the way it's uh, changed business, some of the positive things that comes out of it is we're forced to embrace and use new technologies. And uh, I look at IMTS, take a, a big company, name, name whatever company you can think of in your head. Honeywell. Honeywell. Okay, how many people do they send physically to IMTS? Five, ten, you know, 15 people maybe? Uh, so you get, just re- yeah. relatively speaking. I, I think many of the large manufacturers, they would use the IMTS space as an opportunity for, you know, John Deere, Caterpillar, and all the large people, especially that are in that region of Chicago, to come and see the prop, the opportunities to see technologies that are being propagated by Akuma, Fanuc, and all the other people that participate in the trade show. But physically, you've got a small percentage of people from the, the group of the company that can go physically to see it. We're using the virtual world, IMTS Spark in this case, everybody can see it. Yeah, everybody it's gonna, it's gonna in the company. A- so now instead of 5, 10, 15 people from a company, you can have 1,000 people from that company logging in and now seeing everything that you're offering. So I think it's a unique opportunity um, and, a, and a way to, to make a positive out of, uh, you know, an unfortunate circumstance of the, the physical show being uh, postponed. Yeah, I agree. The opportunities for us to network virtually, although nothing will ever replace the in-person meeting, but the opportunities to network virtually and also show our technologies to everyone instead of those select few that were actually approved to ever travel to IMTS or a trade show for that matter. Right. Well, enough about uh, trade shows. John, let's introduce you. Who is John Tui? How long have you been with Fanuc? And tell us a little bit about Fanuc. Oh, sure. I'd love to. Um, Again, I've been, I started my career at Shunk. I was with Shunk for just under 20 years and was one of the people that was helped develop Shunk in the United States. And in 2016, I was approached by Fanuc to come and work directly for them in the machine tool space. And it was a, it was a, I was honored and flattered. So I've been at FANUC for about five years. My current role, I'm in the machine tool role in the ASI group. And I I truly embrace this because in this segment of our business, we make stuff. Mm -hmm. We assist people like Akuma. We assist the people to make sure that their equipment is more productive. And it's, it's an honor to be able to work with companies such as yourself that can help us improve the manufacturing landscape in North America. Right. So I knew you from back in the Shunk days um, and, and now transitioned to, to FANUC. And uh, we work closely together on the partners and think side of mm-hmm. things. So, um, you know, I, I always enjoy working with our partner companies. Um, it gives us an opportunity to try to educate the marketplace on new ways of doing things. Um, you know, what are new technologies? What are new principles um, that you can apply to your manufacturing floor? I always like the, the line about, you know, well, we've done it this way because we've always done it that way. To me, there's mountains of opportunity when somebody says that. So um, we've worked together from a FANUC uh, perspective with Partners and Think 
over easy. 10 years now? Oh, yeah, easy, easy. Yeah. Uh, you know, just uh, to reference an article uh, that was written by your CEO, Jim King, he reflected uh, basically the, the, the title of the article was A New Era of Manufacturing. And when I read his article, I was, I realized that it could have been written by a robot guy. He, he, it was a very interesting article from the perspective that he understands that COVID and what we're doing today is going to be a way to reshape the way we address how we address mm -hmm. industry whether it's supply line, whether it's ease of use, whether it's improving productivity and quality. Um, in his article, he addressed many of these topics. It was a very interesting article. And for those of you who are listening today, I would highly encourage you to search Jim King on LinkedIn and find that article. It's a very short three-minute read, but it was very, very informative. Yeah, that's, a, that's an excellent point. Um, I, I had an opportunity to take a look at it and read through it myself. And there's so much good information in a very short amount of time. Mm -hmm. um, you think about what manufacturers today are facing. Uh, every every downturn in the economy, um, and in this case, we're dealing with a, a global pandemic. Um, people have to find a way to thrive and survive mm -hmm. in a new, changing environment. Um, if you look at what manufacturers have to do, they have to become more productive. They got to maintain profitability in a changing landscape. So, how do you do that? How do you block and tackle and, and start? finding where's the low-hanging fruit and then how do we address those points automation it obviously is a is a major part of that so huge what what does fanic do how do you guys look at it when you uh are, are approaching projects and customers uh today in, in today's environment well in today's environment one thing that i'd like to point out is fanic globally did not lay off or lose one employee due to covid wow that's uh, awesome it, it was a concerted effort global effort because we understand that whether it was in the throes of this pandemic in which we find ourselves and moving forward, automation and robotics are going to be the key to taking our manufacturing environment to the next level. Onshoring and nearshoring is a real thing. So at FANUC, we are making sure we have the necessary inventory, the training. We have gone from in-person and virtual training, and FANUC has 22 training locations, or 22 locations throughout, of which six of them provide training on-site. Well, as the on-site visits have become a little more difficult to, to manage, we go virtual. Mm -hmm. So our training classes, not only do we have a library of online classes, but we also perform virtual classes for specific customers that aren't comfortable to travel at this point. Right. Now, I'm a people person. I enjoy just like this, sitting here face-to-face. Mm -hmm. -face. But I do believe that virtual is going to be part of the reality moving forward in, okay. in some form or fashion. I think we've proven... Through this pandemic, we've—I know—at least for us at Akuma, everybody's really been grounded. Right? We can't travel. We can't go visit customers. So, all the teams, uh, myself included, that traveled 50, 80, 90 percent, um, all of a sudden we find ourselves working at home or working remote or working in the office. But we're still able to to get work done. We're still able to meet with customers and work on projects because we've embraced virtual uh, machine runoffs, virtual test cuts and demos, um, doing using Zoom and Skype mm -hmm. and Teams and, and all the other tools. A lot of those tools have been around for a long time. We just didn't really gravitate or embrace them. Now we're forced to, and we realize, hey, we're, we're, still, we're still cooking. We're still maintaining business. We're still moving projects forward, and we haven't put people on airplane seats, and we're still, we're still making things happen. So I think moving forward, I think there's a lot of companies that have realized the same thing and people 
jumping on an airplane to go fly and take a look or do a machine demo, I think those days are drastically going to change and we're going to be doing more stuff remote and virtually. So doing virtual training and, and things that you guys are working on, I, I, that's something we have to embrace and we have to find new ways of executing these things. Yeah. And in fact, one of the ways we've done it, and I've done a couple of them myself, is the customer was on the floor just using FaceTime, yeah. looking at the application, checking out the work holding image of his fixture so we could figure out how to load it with the robot. So the technology, yeah, we've had it for years. We've just never really found ways to optimize it, how to use it to make our more, ourselves more efficient in business. Mm-hmm. Uh, and moving forward, I, I, I see more of it. I, we'll never replace the in-person meeting. Uh, right. Relationships are built that way, and we are a relationship business. Um, there are a lot of us. Akuma sells itself. Fanic sells itself. We have very both of our companies have great names in industry, mm-hmm. but it's still a people business. It is. There's things, uh, body language, you know, gestures and things like that that you. It's hard to get that through a Teams meeting. It is. Um, you know, obviously we do these podcasts, and um, I probably owe Kermit Wright and the the team at MP Systems <laughs> another podcast because we tried one using Teams. And it was, it was okay. You know, their content was phenomenal. But there is something about that interaction yeah. that you just, you know, you can't replicate that uh, sometimes virtually that uh, you would like to. So um, let's talk a little bit about technologies and what FANUC does mm-hmm. uh, from the robotic standpoint. That's the, the area, that, the primary area where Akuma and uh, FANUC inter- inter- interface, I'm getting tongue-tied myself, interface together. Um, talk about current technologies that you have. Um, you know, what are some cool applications that you see in the field? You know, what's some things that customers have uh, utilized technology maybe in a different way? Everybody sees um, a robot moving a product, moving a part mm-hmm. in and out of a machine. Are there any other kind of cool uh, applications that you've been a part of um, that you've seen as raised a manufacturer's level of productivity or profitability to a new level? Oh, yeah, of course. We, you know, in the automation environment, it, it's not just one company that makes a solution. Mm-hmm. Um, we rely on companies for EAOETs. We rely on companies for potentially other vision if it's not an IR vision product. So there are a lot of companies in a space. In fact, a lot of the companies and the partners and think, you know, MP and Pumps, you just mentioned, all of us work together to create a solution for the Akuma customer. The technologies that come along with it, so... With the onshoring and nearshoring, you know, when people, when those jobs left in the 80s and 90s, you know, it wasn't necessarily that GM decided to build a car in China. It was the entire support community that was taken. So by bringing these jobs back, it's not just bringing back the manufacturing of, of the Volt or whatever car they were making over in China, but bringing that back also then builds that supplier community. So we now have the partners of companies that have to build together to support that project or that that plant, hmm. the technologies we're deploying, you're going to see that, you know, the major, major OEMs that, that can afford to do automation to the hilt, they will use area scanners and force sensors and other types of components that make the vision, or excuse me, that make the robot smart. They give it eyes. They give it hands, basically. Mm-hmm. And that's always done with partner companies on many instances. But when you bring this community back, it's not always the large manufacturers that benefit. It's the smaller shops that benefit from that. And sometimes they may not have the budgets to do a full-blown automation project because they're making parts with pennies on the profit. Mm-hmm. But nonetheless, they're going to be profiting with this nearshoring and onshoring. Mm-hmm. Fanuc is coming up with products like the CRX robot that will help us deploy at a quicker scale because it's easy to deploy, it's easy to set up, and it's extremely easy to program. 
So what is a CRX? Explain like your nomenclature. If I'm looking at, uh, you know, go back many years, the uh, LR mate, you mm -hmm. know, things like that. What, what is the CRX? So the CRX is a brand new release from Fanuc. It was released back in uh, January at the IREX show. It was the first time it was made public. Mm. Uh, but the collaborative, the, it is a brand new collaborative robot. It's a brand new collaborative design. And the thing that will change the industry from the Cobot perspective is we provide Fanuc reliability and lifetime on the, the Fanuc CRS. The typical Cobot by the admission of the companies that manufacture them, and this can be researched easily just by going to any web page of any Cobot manufacturer, they typically catalog about a 30,000-hour life. As a standard, Fanuc probably will never pr produce a product that won't give us at least 100,000 hours mean time between failure. Mm -hmm. So we tested the CRX, and you know, Fanuc wasn't the first to the market with the, the collaborative robot. If you call, and for those of you who are well-versed with the Fanuc product, we had the CR robots, which were the green ones. And those were really just built off platforms that existed exist uh, currently, the LRMate you mentioned, right. and then also the M20. But with those products, it gave Fanuc the largest offering of collaborative robots in the market today. The CRX now will just complete that offering. So we will be able to provide an industrial robot that's designed for industrial applications but adapted to be a collaborative robot. We do that by putting a force sensor, so you still get the advantages of an industrial robot, the, the rigidity, the accuracy, and it's a robot that's been, the kinematic has been around for, for 15, 20 years. So let's define collaborative robot. I think, you know, there's probably a large population of people looking at automation that are going to gravitate towards that name as soon as you say it. But for those who, who are not, what is a collaborative robot? When do you look at deploying a collaborative robot versus your traditional um, robot requiring safety fences mm -hmm. or area scanners, things like that. Now, there's various reasons why you would do that. Um, my personal feeling in automation, you want to take advantage of what automation can truly offer you as a customer, and that's speed. Hmm. The collaborative robot, unfortunately, is capped at 1,000 millimeters a second. And for anyone who's interested in the collaborative initiative, I would encourage you to contact the A3, the RIA specifically, and take a look at the stipulations, regulations, and also the guidelines that they have Industries Association. Okay. Uh, Jeff Bernstein is the actual, uh, the guy who runs it. Alex Chicane is also the VP. Mm -hmm. It's a wonderful organization that does take care. The RIA is a trade organization that really looks after the interests of the companies in the automation industry. They, they do great work for making sure that the automation industry is first and foremost, even with uh, people in Washington. Okay, excellent. Very so, but good. the robot, the collaborative, getting back to your question, I'm sorry, I kind of diverted there. But getting back to the, the, what is a collaborative robot, mm -hmm. according to RIA, and these are on the 10 to 18 specs, a collaborative robot is one, it's a machine that is force and power limited by inherent design. I can make any FANUC robot collaborative, even our 2300 kilogram M2000, and I can do that with speed and separation monitoring. And what that allows it to do is each zone is set up with area scanners and it will allow a person to enter the cell with the robot, robot cognizant of their presence. Mm -hmm. That way, if they enter the zone, the first thing that happens, the robot decreases its acceleration by 50%. Okay. If you enter the reach of the robot, it does a soft e-stop. And the thing about that is, is you can take advantage of the full 4,000, 5,000 millimeters a second of the industrial robot, but apply it to a collaborative application. So for Akuma, we would see that on the automation within reach load and go systems, right? So Correct. that would use exactly what you're talking about. In fact, the load and go does use an area sensor yep. and it that is a form of a collaborative robot, yes. Okay. There are two other forms of um, 
you know, force and power limited speed and separation monitoring. You also have hand guidance. Hmm. So our industrial robot, the LR, the CR series, when based on the form of LR Mate and M20 platforms, we can use a hand guiding tool and on that, and that's another form of collaboration. Okay. So how does that work? Are you teaching the robot all the, the pickup points? So if I'm trying to teach it to come over here and pick up a product, you're guiding it by hand and, and teaching it and, and lead programming. To teach, yes. Lead to lead teach. teach. There you go. Okay. And the platform on our new CRX is actually quite interesting because it's all done on, a, on an iPad or a tablet. I should no say kidding. a tablet. It's not an iPad. It's a Samsung tablet. Right. And uh, this tablet will afford the user the opportunity to do all the programming by icon drop and drag. Hmm. And in the background, an actual teach pendant program is generated. So you do not have to understand point registers and how to program the robot. You'll have it right out of the box. You'll be able to see the icons, the pictures. They're very self-explanatory. In fact, our CEO, this wasn't a joke. This was an actual... At our conference in February, Mr. Chico stood up on stage, and he'd never touched it and did it by design. We wanted to do this on stage, and Mike went up on stage, and sure enough, he was programming that robot. Our CEO was programming that robot within five minutes. Oh, that's awesome. Now, our CEO is an engineer, but <laughs> nonetheless. Yeah, but still, he's not doing it every day. <laughs> no, and, he's, you know. I, I can't imagine he's touched a teach pendant in a number of years. So I think you bring up an interesting point, at least in my mind. Um, I think some of the barriers for, you know, let's say I'm Wade Anderson, I'm running Wade Anderson's pretty good job shop. I've got 10 machines, 10 employees, and I'm hesitant about making that step into automation mm -hmm. um, because I don't think I've got the expertise or the, the programmers or somebody that understands ladder logic and all that. Um, back when I was years ago teaching robots and things, I, I was delved into uh, PLC ladder logics and, and tying all these signals together. You guys have, have really, by doing things like you're talking about, you've really uh, simplified that. Mm -hmm. So you don't need somebody that's a PLC ladder logic programmer. You can take somebody off the floor right now today, deploy his assets to a higher value add for the shop, and utilize your technologies. Yes. All right. So Fanuc has done one of the products we have that we just released. Or it's been around, but it's been now more predominant. It's called QSSR, which is an acronym for quick, simple startup of robotization. It is a one-wire connection between the FANUC robot and the FANUC control. And when we have that connection, it all of a sudden gives the point of use. We can do jog movements from the HMI and the CNC on the robo drill, mm -hmm. And we can also do other slight moves in programming from the HMI as well. The whole idea is to make the deployment of the robot much easier, simpler for the customer. Okay, very good. What's the future look like? You look out five years from now, where do you see FANUC in your products? Uh, what's on the horizon we should know about? Well, I would love to see a product where I take my robot and I, pro I plug it into the CNC control and everything populates like my iPhone. Mm -hmm. I think the next generation of robot controller and machine controller, they're going to expect that plug-and-play <clears throat> uh, functionality and simplicity simply. Right. Okay. We're very close to that now with the with the interfaces we that we've got. Um, you know, I, I go back to my days working with robots and... It was a fire hose full of discrete IOs that were wiring up, um, and nowadays it's an Ethernet signal, right? Yeah. So we're, we're plugging in an Ethernet cable, dropping power to it, and then uh, you know all that handshaking is, is completely streamlined from what it used to be. So, um, so you think that's kind of where the, the future generations of what Fanuc's working on is going to be even more simplistic, uh, sim simplistic designs? Yes, so e easier to use, easier to deploy. You know, connected smart manufacturing, I believe, is going to be what's driving 
the machinist operate the machinist decision making in the process mm -hmm. with the way we can now look at data and what the machine tool is doing we can actually predict toolpath we can look at different avenues to make a part with fewer fewer uh, drop parts higher quality better tool life we can use data from the machine tool and data from the robot to gain insights on OEE operations. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of things that are coming that aren't necessarily inherent to what we've done traditionally. Um, you, you know, what makes a good machine tool operator? He's got a great set of ears. The machine literally talks to him. He understands when he hears the nuances of the machine. Well, if a human can hear it, I guarantee you we can sense it. And then five, ten years down the road, maybe AI now is helping us design toolpath, design part programs so we don't have drop. Mm -hmm. When you're making a $100,000 blisk, you do not want that tool to mess up. Right. So using AI could potentially, and will in my opinion, change the way we actually control our machines. All right. Excellent. I think that's about all the time we've got for today. I appreciate um, it very much, Wade. John, Wilson. thank you for your time yeah, uh, thank you for joining us me. here. And uh, uh, we've covered everything from uh, Chicago, from not being in Chicago to being virtual and utilizing virtual tools to uh, new applications and, and technologies that Fanix bring into the table. How do people learn more about Fanix? How, if they want to learn more about Fanix Robotics and how to automate their systems, tell us how to get a hold of you. Uh, the first thing I would recommend is the web. Reach out to www.fanicamerica.com and you will have the opportunity to be directed to our CNC division or our robot group. And from there, also, you have about 55 guys throughout the country. I would suggest you contact your local Fanuc salesperson and uh, let us talk about how Fanuc can offer your solution for the job shop. All right. Well, thanks for joining us. Uh, any thoughts, questions, or ideas for future podcasts, please reach out to us. You can see our sites at www.akuma.com forward slash shop dash matters.com. Thank you. Thank you.